You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Andreas Fabricius, the co-CEO at Playable. My rule number one would be really be careful about expanding cross markets. I think that's you should really consider when you are investing heavily outside your main market, your headquarter. Welcome to the last episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. You said the last episode, right? I did. That's a little bit scary. Yeah, maybe. But don't worry, it's going to be a new episode next week, so you won't get rid of us. And today we have an interesting conversation starting where we're not just going to look at the good times, but also sort of on the bad or hard times and what we can learn from that. We can certainly learn a lot and we appreciate people opening up. So let's do it. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invite. How are you today? What's going on over there in Denmark? We're good. Uh, it's Friday afternoon when we're recording this. Uh, and it's on the back of a couple of team days in our customer success unit. So, uh, and we have a Friday bar coming up quite soon. So I'm all good. I mean, that's the thing in Denmark. Like we've heard that over and over again. Like, is that a de facto standard? You have to have a Friday bar? We don't have it each Friday. We, we used to have that back in the days, but right now I think we are some kind of, you know, pooling it. So we have it, I think it's right now once a month. Um, but yeah, a Friday bar is a classic thing. I think it's, we also have an office in London. Or it's every Thursday, uh, <laughs> the guys go out for a beer. So yeah, we have it on Friday in Denmark. Yeah, so it's, it's the Friday bars, however frequently they happen, but it's also this cantina food at the office type of exercise. Do you guys do that as well? Yeah, we also do that. Actually, we sometimes use it even as uh, team exercises uh, across markets. So we had pizza ovens uh, a couple of weeks ago for the sales team. So that to create pizzas for the colleagues. And so, so yeah, we do that a lot. There's a lot of things with Denmark that uh, definitely is worth to, uh, you know, <laughs> copy. Yeah, we are quite, we are similar people, you know. Yeah. Beers and pizza, then we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd only had a smurbrads. Yeah, we ought to do that. <laughs> so uh, you're a simple company. Uh, what can you tell us about yourself? Are you a simple guy? Uh, I don't know if you asked my wife, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been in, yeah, I'm 35. Uh, and today officially I'm a co-CEO together with Marianne, who's also a co-CEO uh, in Playable. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 18. So since I was bibbing people's groceries in the local supermarket, I've become an entrepreneur. And then I was asked to join Playable as the second or third employee back in the days. Uh, uh, yeah, and now um, have various different roles, commercial. So uh, call myself a commercial janitor. Uh, solving different kind of problems on different markets. That's a first. You heard it here first on the Sassiest Podcast, Commercial Janitor. Yeah, I need to update my LinkedIn after this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what is it with entrepreneurship that has been intriguing? You said like, you know, from the beginning of the career, you've been an entrepreneur. Like, why? Why not go and take a job at a bank? Or mm, Yeah, I dreamed about that when I was a kid, actually. But uh, I think it fits my creativity and then also... Uh, 
attitude about you know always winning uh, and have a relatively high execution power a gene so to say in me so for me it, it has always been the most natural thing to just take care of yourself basically <laughs> create your own job um, so yeah for me it, it for me it's quite natural even before it became a trend so to say at least it is here in Denmark with dragons 10 and so but uh, yeah I've been it all my life and I I don't know if I will be it all my life in the future but it's mm-hmm. because it's also tough of course but um, yeah let's see yeah what do you do besides running playable um, family uh, dad two wonderful children and a happy wife hopefully uh, and uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a big and bold statement but good for you yeah i think it's probably <laughs> she's not listening to this one but no uh, it's been a course all the time again with my family traveling a lot uh, at work so i try to stay at home mostly in the weekends fishing with my son mm. yeah enjoying denmark in the summer we have a vacation house in the family so yeah yeah Normal guy, drinks a lot of wine and pizza and friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. mm. uh, you mentioned that you were a co-CEO. So what does that setup look like? Yeah, uh, unfortunately we had to, uh, the board chose to, to, to say goodbye to, to our old CEO uh, late last year. And then we had an interim uh, CEO for half year, more or less, um, from the board, from the investors. And uh, then the setup on the back of uh, of him was a co-CEO constellation where technically me and Marianne, uh, she has also been in the company since we started. We have uh, a shared role, so co-CEOs, where I had the CCO responsibility and she has the COO responsibility. So she sits mostly with the finance and legal and uh, people and so where I'm more on the commercial side. Uh, so. Yeah, I trust her blindfold, uh, and she plus trusts me blindfold. We've been working together for, yeah, six, seven years now. So for us, it has become a natural uh, thing to to share uh, the role. Um, so so far, so good. Uh, of course, there is a lot of concerns about what if we don't agree or. What if we yeah, have a different view on college or strategy and so and so? So we, of course, have some kind of rule of conduct internally. Um, mm. And we also have a super strong senior leadership group where we actually are reporting into equally uh, all of us, our SVP and CTO as well. Um, so right now, I think it's also the, the state of the company and also the turbulence it has been through. It was very positive at least that was a feedback in our employee service that they were super happy that it was someone internally who got uh, who got the the titles uh, and not someone from the external who's normally bringing in own team new ways of doing stuff so yeah so far so good at least yeah so co-ceos two people running the ship here together with a bunch of other people but you didn't mention yet. What do you guys actually do, and for whom do you do it? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, we are a SaaS company. Uh, we are a gamification platform for marketeers, where our customers we have around six hundred and fifty customers uh, around the world. They log on to the platform, and then they build gamification campaigns. We have uh, thirty-two uh, campaigns where my dear colleague Thomas uh, and his team, led by Danny, has been spending thousands of hours in a dark basement here in Aarhus in Denmark, developing all the 
boring stuff, so to say, so the marketeers log on and put on or lay on their assets, uh, graphical assets, and then we have taken care of price handling, APIs, etc. So give, give us a simple example of, like, what is a gamification ad or like how, how would this live on your customer's site or so the customers the most classic example is the Christmas calendar so if you've seen one of those digital Christmas calendars over the years they've probably been delivered by us mm-hmm. it could also be those classic Wheel of Fortunes we see that quite often in loyalty clubs or uh, communities in-app activities where you win something in an app and then you need to go to pick it up in a store or redeem it in a web shop and so Quizzes, personality tests, product selectors, stuff like that is gamification campaigns. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and who would you say is your ideal customer? Like, you know, a lot of people can obviously use this based on what you just told us, but who is your preferred customer? That's also a tricky question because lucky and unfortunately, the human brain is hardwired to, to crave games. So in theory, all customer are our ICP, our ideal customer profile. But there is also, of course, a lot of learnings by being in the market for, for a couple of years now. So our main focus is the classic verticals, so grocery retail, loyalty clubs, FMCG, uh, e-commerce, etc. We have a lot of sports clubs, as an example, as well, where you are having a lot of traffic on some kind of channels and you want to maximize the IRI or the investments you are doing today. And by adding that gamification element, you can increase time with brand, uh, conversion rates, uh, data collection, etc. So I would say grocery retail is probably where we have the strongest presence right now across markets, but close run-up would be FMCG brands as well. All right, gotcha. Cool. Uh, let's take uh, some numbers just to get the back to picture of your operation. So you mentioned already around 600 customers, but where are you right now when it comes to your ARR and growth rate? What do you say? Our, I would say our ARR is getting very close to, to 10 million euros. Uh, so we are a relatively big size company, at least in Danish terms. Um, so I think we'll hit that number quite soon. Um, and what was the other question, sorry? Yeah, the growth rate. The growth rate. Yeah, I think, uh, of course, it was in the early days, triple, triple, double, double. So I think mm-hmm. right now we are a little less, uh, I would say, between 20 and 40 right now. Okay, great. And uh, the amount of employees, and I know that there's a difference here if we look maybe one or two years back and we're coming back to that. But uh, mm-hmm. right now, how many employees are you? 70. 70, okay. Yeah. And um, what markets do you actively sell to? Actively, we are selling to Denmark, where we have an office in, in Aarhus and Copenhagen. We sell to Germany as well, Benelux from Amsterdam. We have an office in London, and we have one in Helsinki. Okay. So we are covering uh, Norway and Sweden from the Copenhagen and uh, Helsinki office. And what does the ownership and the, the funding situation look like in the company? We are funded by VPK, VEX Partner Capital, in Danish. They have two funds, and the VPK1, VPK2, and both of the funds has invested uh, in this company. Uh, and then we are funded by something, a fund called Dreamcraft. Um, they're also quite active uh, in, in the investment environment, especially in the Nordics. Um, and then our founder, Thomas, uh, who is still a, a shareholder. All right. Okay.
And what about the co-CEOs? Do you also have a stake in the company? Uh, no. Soon enough. We're working on it. Working on <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we know that you have been through a, a quite turbulent time. Um, what, tell us about it. What, what happened? Yeah, I think it was a combination of many things. And uh, I think we could talk about this for ages. But I'll try to keep it short. Um, we, we simply were not efficient enough. We really invested a lot in growth. Uh, hired a lot of people and built a big, big organization uh, out of London, actually, um, with a lot of C-level uh, persons. Um, and then we really started to scale the company in both sales and, and marketing. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't see it anywhere in the numbers. And with that combination and also the change in the financial markets where it was much more tricky for us to a satisfying evaluation to raise money, we really had to to make some redundancies during during last year. Hmm. Uh, so we did that in I think it was three rounds in total. I would highly recommend it to do it in one. Yeah. I, I, I was just about to ask why in three? Is it because you first thought this is enough and then you realize that oh man it wasn't enough, we have to do a little bit more or Yeah, I think that was uh, the decision made back then. Um but yes we we did it in maybe a couple of times too many. Uh, so yeah, we, we did the last one in, I think it was October or November last year, uh, where we should get by to, to the last bunch of people. So we actually, we had been 130 people totally in the company. So we have said goodbye to 60 people in total. Uh, so it has also become quite tough for the ones who stayed back and stayed on board. Uh, both, of course, losing colleagues, that's one thing, but also... Uh, taking on a lot of extra responsibilities. Um, but the good thing is that now we are a company who are in control financially. We can actually start to invest in growth again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, our AR is also bigger than our cost base, actually. So we are in full control now. Um, and we just published a, our financial reports today, this is recording, where we have a, a minus... 40 plus million DKK, which is quite big, quite high number. Um, and we also just closed the book for H1 right now with, uh, with positive EBITDA. So had also been uh, yeah, a significant cut in losses, uh, a cut in costs, mm. but also luckily we can't actually see it anywhere in the numbers. The new base is the same. Uh, with a lot of fewer people uh, and we have actually also managed to reduce the churn significantly yeah uh, so so big big kudos to the ones who are still on board really handling double off number of customers uh, etc so we are trying to work a lot smarter and not not only harder so uh, andreas i have to ask you listening to you to this and like it sounds like you, the transition has now worked out well but what really happens behind the scenes? Because you get you let go of essentially half your workforce. Mm. Do you put that work that those individuals did on the existing for, for workforce? Or do you actually cut out some projects? Because I can't imagine that suddenly it's like, hey, Steve, you work uh, 100%. Now you're going to also do Adam's work that's mm -hmm. no longer here. So congratulations. Yeah. Like, how does that actually look like? 
I would actually say we haven't closed down any projects. And let me just elaborate a little bit on that. But I think what actually happened, uh, one of my colleagues, Nicholas, said it quite clear the other day because he has been, he was actually hired before me. He's been there since the start. He actually said he was, he's working, was working in our product team. And I think when we were biggest, there were around 15 people in our product team. And now we're down to a handful of people. And he actually said that we, we simply just have meetings back to back and didn't talk anything about or we didn't give us any room for producing things. Now we can have a meeting and go straight into production. So magically, I don't know how, we simply just became too corporate too fast. So we had endless of processes. No one could make decisions. No one you know, took the responsibility and said, let's go right, let's go left, it's this round. So we didn't execute anything. And Thomas, who is the founder of the company, was actually out of the business for 14 months. You know, the everyday, so only, so to say, part of the board and the ownership was brought back. And in three months' time, we started to release stuff again. We hadn't released more or less anything for two years. And then he came back and we started to release. And the only thing he said was just cancel all internal meetings, wipe all the, the, um, the Monday task boards, and just started all over. Okay. Now we have the customer and folks, I know this year is a forever game. We actually just became too visionary and just, okay, what is the customer's latest request? This, cool, let's build that again. And then he simply just started the engine all over again. And now we're back on track. So the, our technical product team has went from 15 to a handful of people. And we are producing, I would say, four, five times even more, which is crazy to think about. But it simply became too visionary. It became too corporate. It became way too far from the everyday, and there were simply too many layers between the customer-facing roles and the ones who designed roadmap. Mm. And that was a very, very bad decision for the product. Yeah. As an example, on the customer side, uh, we used to. I think we are in our customer success right now. We are fifteen people. We used to be the double, and since our company is still growing. Every CS person in our company has more and more customer portfolio has more or less doubled in the last uh, nine months. But with a lot of automation, a lot of AI, a lot of trend prediction models we have built AI-wise, we can work 10 times more efficient. And we actually have room now for you know even more customers per CS. So it's not that the service has dropped because our churn has actually dropped. We are simply just focusing on the right stuff right it sounds super simple but yeah yeah it's actually just what we did so and i think this is super relatable for for many um others might have gone through the same journey you know blowing up the organization and becoming too visionary and so on others have also you know faced these very rough cuts and so on and some have succeeded some have not so, you know, and, and that's why we think this is uh, interesting to have as a main topic today. Just, you know, um, dig a little bit deeper into your experiences here of what are key things that have worked and what are things that you wished you have done in a totally other way. So maybe you can highlight some of these things. Yeah. One of the biggest changes we have made is make total transparency. So, of course, after the decision, the tough decision has been made, the redundancy has been executed, 
the last round, of course, we were totally transparent from the leadership team to everyone else. So we communicated a lot to people, super transparent. This month, numbers, burn rate, etc. Next month, numbers, a little less burn rate, etc., etc., etc. So we started to over-communicate everything to build back the trust because, of course, if you hire 70 people, then you fire them again. Mm. Then you don't have any kind of trust in the leadership because everyone would just think, who the fuck are those morons running around in that room with all the fancy titles not executing anything? So, of course, we need we were super, you know, aware about a trust issue from us to the organization. And, of course, we also made analysis with key stakeholders and key influencers, inviting them in, being a part of the important decisions. And by really communicating extremely transparent, we, we managed to win the trust, could also set a new direction for the company and get back on that entrepreneurial you know, mindset about, okay, whatever it fucking takes, guys, come on, let's just kill this shit. Mm. And to get people on that mentality by having double up in number of customers or still having the same targets with less resources, etc., it takes trust. It takes also a lot of leading by example. So everyone has in, you know, the commercial side of the organization has a target to hit. I also have customer responsibilities, etc. cetera. Mm. So a lot about communication to, to rebuild the trust is one of the key learnings. Another one is also when the decisions are made, you start to execute immediately. Mm. So... The decision is made, plan the execution, don't wait, don't revisit, don't, you know, consult anyone from external because you are the ones with the responsibility. So from consideration to execution was relatively fast and it also shows that when the ship is a little rocky, you always have, you know, now it's two captains who are up for making the, the course and the decisions. And you can, you know, guarantee they were executed immediately as well. Yeah, and you mentioned that you had the last round of uh, cuts in October last year. So, what was your message then? Um, was it that this is the last one, or did you say if we don't hit these targets, there's going to be another one in April? Or unfortunately, it was a mix. I would have loved to say that now everyone has job guarantee, but. We still had numbers to hit. Yeah. We still had to reduce the churn. We still need to need the top line numbers. Yeah. So it was a mixture. Right. But that's also back to the super transparent and frequent communication. So where are we? Mm. Are we getting closer? Are we getting more ways? So we communicated that if we hit these numbers, then we are on a good path and we can start to build up again. Yeah. And by communicating very transparent, we, we did that. Um, but on the other hand, we have also said goodbye to projects in that period of time after October. So, for example, we have an SD, we had a SDR unit out of London. We couldn't simply make it work. It didn't convert good enough in a tough market, etc. In many circumstances, but then we we simply closed down that part of the operations, mm. and that was a more natural, you know. Uh, conclusion compared to earlier where it was redundancies because we were in a bigger problem. This year was more like, okay, this thing is not working. Let's take out the learnings and one or two colleagues and let the rest of them go. So that was a more, if you say, pros and cons business common decision to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So have you been able to avoid a sort of a domino effect when you let so many people go? You know, there is relationships within the company. People are friends or someone, you know, uh, got someone hired. This was the person that I recommended or this is a person I look up to and maybe they will follow them to the next employer. Did you take those things to an account? Or have you been hit by, by those things? I, funny enough, I just saw a slide of that uh, just before we went to this recording. In the last 12 months, five people have resigned mm. themselves. Yeah, that's not a lot. No, I think that's quite natural. Yeah. After you let 50% of your, your company go more or less. Yeah then I think it's quite natural. That so why, why is that? Is it because it's, it's hard to get a job or were you very, you know, did you do this in, in a very well thought out way? Or I think we executed the plan quite well. I can be a little uh, yeah, arrogant maybe, but um, I think we have told people that one of the things we always say straight up in job interviews that you can earn the same amount of money elsewhere by working less harder than here. So if you want to work hard and make money, you can do it here. But we will also guarantee you that you will never, ever in your career learn that much that you will do here, no matter what role you have. And we have that promise to our employees. And I think the ones who stayed here can see this every day happening. So no one has ever overnight lost 50 colleagues, has double as much of customer or whatever it is, and are still doing better and better and better. So for me, there is, of course, a lot of company culture, a lot of business mentality, entrepreneurial spirit that keeps people on board. So big kudos, for example, to our people team who has managed to, you know, kill that domino effect that you normally see when you make those kind of dramatic changes. And so mm. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. I'm curious from your perspective because, you know, You guys have done an amazing uh, transition here from losing, you know, money, a, a significant chunk of money, if you may. And I, I think it was very normal in this industry. Money was free and everybody was, was betting on, on growth and so on to now actually being profitable so far this year and probably like with a decent profit at the end of the year. But the cost saving activity has been a significant part of that. We're going to in a second talk about what you've done also to increase your revenue. Like to other CEOs, founders, and executives that sit and listen to this, that unfortunately may have this still ahead of them, a cost-reducing exercise. What would your top advice be like, you know, do these things or do not do things like this? I think right now with the, the money is still out there, of course. So look yourself in the mirror and say, what kind of evaluation can I accept to raise money at? If that's higher than whatever the market can offer you, I think you should make the cuts, the cuts in one round, and you should do it now. Right. Because no one know what happens the next 12 months. I think you have maybe, maybe not <laughs> seen the last war in, in Europe right now. You have a, a inf, you know, 
terrible financial market for example in the UK so if you are having a big chunk of your company over there you will face tough times as well so there is a lot of external factors you can't control right and that will of course affect you know your own control of the company so I would highly recommend to make the the changes right now and then you know go back to the core build a solid business and then work smarter uh, I know it's very easy to say but it's basically just what we did and I would highly recommend everyone to do that if they have the possibilities to do it and then also just remember whoever stays on board are also you know the long-lasting colleagues that's the ones you can build teams around that's the one you could put an expat on somewhere else in the world etc really push down the responsibility in the organization because the ones who can you know stay on the ship for so long under these circumstances are also the ones who can really walk the talk for you right whenever the times you know you get back in control and you can start to grow again that's also where you can build on top of those kind of people or around those kind of people right that's that's interesting and if, if you then look at the revenue side because like we said cutting costs is one thing but you've also during this period the last six months here become much more of an efficient company your revenue is higher you're growing a little bit faster and so on what would you say have been the biggest moves that you've done in that perspective that have yielded this positive impact on revenue yeah the, the main focus have been we have also been going from a top line driven new business driven company to a more let's reduce the churn and then also increase the top line driven company so that's also been a change in and fast lowering the churn with 10 percent is you know has a quite big impact right uh, honestly in, in our EBITDA so so the first priority for me was to to get in get on top of the churn right and it takes time we are an annual subscription company so whatever you do today you have you know 11 months and 29 days before you basically see the effects so we started to set up a lot of surveillance on our customers activity within the platform right we had a is a professor in data science so he basically built a model of churn prediction we have that integrated in our customers uh, plan that is called a customer success uh, tool as well mm -hmm. that is triggering a lot of alerts if uh, customers change behavior so we really try to work much much more and honestly we should work double efficient than before because we have said goodbye to half of our colleagues so that was basically the task so every time we could save an email also may auto generate that a phone call auto generate right do a lot of one-to-many communication etc that was basically where we kept uh, put our eyes on to to really optimize the everyday um yeah and luckily or not say luckily it seems to work out quite well okay so showing a little bit you probably used to love your customers as much in the past as you do now but you also put some more muscle and process around it to work a little bit more intelligently so the there's more frequency in the interactions there and you you pick up customers at risks and stuff in a, in a different yeah. way compared to the past totally and we have so much execution power we also the classic story about having too many layers of managers never ever met a customer before <laughs> so yeah the classic stuff <laughs> all right now i'm interested to to hear 
Any fuck-ups or funny stories oh. uh, during this period? How long time do we have? <laughs> now give it to us. Just uh, get in there. No, I think we have many, I think. My rule number one would be <laughs> really be careful about expanding cross markets. I think that's you should really consider when you are investing heavily outside your main market, your headquarter. Mm. That has been one of our biggest uh, fuck-ups, uh, so to say. We, we, we invested quite hard in London and that, that was very, very expensive for us and the outcome of that was... Uh, was not as expected so we really had to to cut cost on that um that's probably the the biggest biggest one um and i think another one is to have roles on a commercial side who's not have a target themselves it's also a rule of thumb now that everyone should lead from example lead mm. by example so everyone has a target today Either it is revenue or renewal or number of meetings, etc. Everyone is in direct contact with our customers. We came too visionary and we simply just lost contact with uh, with our con- customers. Hmm. Um, that was uh, that was not that good. Yeah, I mean it's, we've heard that before. Like you know, you, yeah. you you have momentum in at your home turf and you feel like. Money was free. Exactly. We'll just you know copy and paste and throw a bunch of millions somewhere else, and then we'll be as big in the UK as big in France. Mm. It turns out that ooh, playing <laughs> rules will maybe different. Exactly, and there's also of course other ones. You know, never hire an external consultant who has not done them themselves. I think it's a classic rule of thumb. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. In an in an Excel sheet, anything and everything is possible, right? Exactly. But in, re- in reality, it might be different. Yeah, I think that that. Black little cross in Excel sheet when you are, you know, I think that's the most dangerous functionality for a, a startup because what happens if we just get 1% of the US market? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So speaking about reality, like looking ahead here, what's in the future for yourself and your business here in the next, say, 18, 24 months? Um 18 to 24 months, we're actually not planning that far Six ahead. to 12 yeah. months. <laughs> oh, sorry, six to 12 months. <laughs> Going cross-border, being visionary, exactly. hiring more people. Exactly. Now, we are hiring again, actually. So, but in a much more controlled way, of course. Um, I think the, the next natural step for us, now we've been more or less stabilizing the country. Uh, sorry, the country. No, the company for the uh, last Denmark six. is an unstable country, we know. Yeah, no, I think we're... <laughs> I think we're the most calm country. Thank you for your service. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think uh, we have stabilized the, co- uh, the company the, the last two quarters here, and now we are looking into an initial of the growth phase again. We have a quite interesting features being launched in the next or the next yeah, three to six months, um, and we will expand to other markets. We are testing out in in uh, investing even more in Benelux and and the Scandinavian markets uh, right now. Um, our marketing is starting to generate some serious good performing pipeline as well. So that comes from all over the world. Um, so the next natural step for us would be to grow. Right. Including being profitable company. Yep. And that balance of should we invest more to, you know, potentially risk more and the payoff, etc. So that is a forever ongoing calculation we are doing uh, in our leadership team together with the board. Um, so I think that's the natural next steps. And we don't have any concrete markets to go for because, as I started to say, 
honestly, all markets is a fit, all companies in theory is a fit. And we have cost customers in the US, we have customers in Africa, in Southern America, in Asia. So we have customers all over the world. Already. Right, right. So to to help you on your journey, you know, this beautiful transition journey you guys are on and continue being a profitable company, is there anything you feel you need to double down on any type of support you need we always ask our guests here like we have a fantastic community great listeners is there anyone that can help you in any kind of way or inspire you i think one of the things that is tricky for us is is how to draw the line in the sand because there historically we have a lot of broken promises to a lot of colleagues also the ones who are still on board so how to somehow not forget the past but draw a line in the sand and say okay we know we fucked up right. we know we promised we know we always sell a lot of positions within the company etc but the past is the past how to you know kickstart the momentum that's i think it's a tricky thing because with all respect and i think it's totally fair we are still sometimes dwelling a little bit with the past to say, yeah, but right. we also used to do this and that back in the days. It's just the acceptance that this year is the new reality. Yeah. And and since I've been a part of the, you know, the decision room or the situation room for, for quite a while now, I had, you know, a couple of weeks, month knowledge before the other ones. So whenever the flash bombs hit and the redundancies are executed, it's always tricky to, as a, you know, the colleagues, is, for them it's tricky to accept the new reality. So, okay, so now I don't have anyone to do this for me or with me, etc. And whenever you can start to think, okay, and accept the new reality, you're also able to draw the, sign, the, sand, and the line in the sand, sorry, and then move on. I think that is a, that is a tricky thing. It takes time. Um, also back to the trust, I think we have it, but it is... It is a tricky thing for us. Yeah, yeah, and I, hey, I, I wish I would have the answer for that, but I, <laughs> I think a lot of people are, are struggling with that because it's difficult to wash away emotions, and people are granted to have their emotions. But mm. personally, I sometimes feel that you know, at some point, people need to in the organization that have gone through this when the time is right, but bygones need to be bygones a little bit like you know people need to let go and mm. you know as a company as a leadership team and so on if you feel you know when enough time has passed if people cannot let go and mistrust new moves because of what happened in the past i know this is going to sound harsh but maybe then this is not the right organization for them so at some point maybe you know there needs to be parting ways with people that cannot let go of the past yeah and i just said we had five quitters the last 12 months so that could be a part of it but yeah we don't know if i really hope not we have any silent quitters but i feel that we are really in a strong position starting to onboard new people now and the foundation we are building on is also you know they have been through hell yeah <laughs> they have been in the front line and they have been taking a lot of responsibility of on them shoulders so yeah. we have we, i think we are in a better position than we ever have been because we are in financial controlling and are ready to grow again yeah and the foundation and all the learnings of course is also a good thing yes of course you know? of course you guys are on a fantastic trajectory i think many companies would be envious of going from 
you know, negative 45 to plus whatever it's going to be this year, you know, many millions. So congratulations to you guys. Uh, speaking about inspiration, who would you like to see on the show that would make you feel like, I can't wait for this episode to drop? Mm, from a SaaS point of view, I would say Peter Mühlmann, the founder of Trustpilot. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you have him on your bucket list. He has not been on the show yet. He's messaging us all the time, but uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> maybe we should accept now. <laughs> what would you like him to speak about? Like, what is it about his journey that you would like in you know a 40-minute session here would feel like? I really want to understand that more. I think I really like you guys and, and the work you're doing, but what is, yep. what is interesting for me personally is taking, okay, so how do we go from you know 70 to 700? Because there's a lot of podcasts already recorded from the 10 to the 50 or the 10 to the 100 yeah. but what about the next step yeah. so how do you build an organization that is ready for scale mm. because we couldn't do that <laughs> yeah. we, we fucked it up so how do you actually set yourself up for the next steps going from 100 to a 500 yeah i think that and that i know peter has done that quite successful yeah yeah so uh, that could be an interesting uh, topic yeah i know peter you're listening to this so you know we're, co we're coming for you hmm. hey andreas uh thank you so much for sharing you know uh and this is what it's all about you know uh sometimes to get to success we have to walk through fire yeah and and the more we we share and and learn from those things and share it with each other the better it is for all of us so like we really appreciate you taking the time to share your experience in this transitioning phase so thank you so much for that thank you so much uh and we can only wish you the best of success going forward and have a continued fantastic summer now and we'll see you soon thank you i'll join the friday by in a minute <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds good say hi to the team from us and uh, have a great summer take care now thank you bye-bye ciao so daniel what's your key takeaway from this episode uh, i'm gonna go with uh one that I think is very simple, but very concrete. Uh, unfortunately, many of us have seen throughout our careers that at some point you have to right-size your organization and, and some, some roles will have to be made redundant or merge into others. I'm a firm believer that to the extent possible, you make that exercise once. Because the way they did it here, like, you know, oh, we let go of some people and it was too defensive of a cut, it seems like and sounds like without me knowing the details. And then X amounts later, there's a second cut. That just kills morale. People are on the fence and nervous and it's like, okay, is there going to be a third one? Am I going to be next? And instead of maybe focusing fully on, like he said, that we draw a line in the sand, it's done and dusted. Now we just look ahead. People still sit on... Like it's a little bit, they're on the edge and cannot fully focus on the stuff they need to contribute to. So, and I know it's easier said than done, but the exercises that I've been through and seen work better for the company. It's horrible for the people that are let go, but better for the companies to do that exercise big enough from the first get-go. Yeah, but you're always the optimist. I'm always the optimist. So um, if you're the optimist, it's, it's um, maybe, you know, it's very tempting to, you know, just downsize the things that you hope for, maybe? Yeah, but I think uh, I'm an optimist in, in many aspects of life. And in this case, I'm also an optimist, but you have to see it from 
as a CEO and a, as a you know somebody with a leading role in this organization, you have to look and put that optimism towards the business and not the individual. So like, if you believe in the business and for the business to flourish, what's the right move for the business? And that unfortunately sometimes is making the tough decisions. But of course, easier said than done. What's your takeaway, Thomas? I think transparency is key because that's the only way that you can keep motivating your employees and you want this to be a team exercise that everyone, you know, they they know the targets you need to hit, they know why you do the decisions you do, you know, why they communicate that they do so. So um, I think that is number one and um, yeah, that's my conclusion. Yep. Good conclusion as well. Nobody has ever benefited long term from uh, lying to the organization. I have yet to hear it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, also looking ahead in our world here, it, it's you know it's it's getting closer now, Thomas. Here in September, we have Sassy's Digital 2023. Yeah. If if somebody here hasn't heard us talk about it, like what can they expect? I think they can expect a day full of really good content so that is what we are focusing on and you know it's just at your fingertips you will have access to to loads and loads of different sessions within all kinds of topics uh, b2b SaaS. Um, feel free to jump in and out during the day uh, you can also network at the networking tables you will get access to the recordings afterwards so you can jump in and look at replays but i mean it's always uh, good to be um, participating live because then you can also ask questions to our experts and to your industry colleagues out there yeah so lots of stuff happening here uh in the fall so we are really looking forward to to working together with you guys and again like we always say if you have ideas suggestions recommendations to us related to the podcast or any other of the forums, please don't hesitate to reach out. I think by now you know where to find us. Absolutely. And if you are not already part of any community exercises, I mean, go for it. We have a fantastic CEO network. We have an executive network with VP and C-level people from all kinds of disciplines. We have our female founders network and of course the Slack community open for everyone working into um, B2B SaaS. So head over to sasnordic.com and sign up for the network or community that fits you. And with that, thank you for listening today and looking forward to um, yeah continue delivering content and meeting you throughout the year here. Take care now. Bye.